Welcome to the Renegade Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, John Maffey, Marty Lindner, and Matt Black. You can find us on Twitter at FFRenegades and visit our website at FantasyFootballRenegades.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Renegades Dynasty Podcast. This is our first podcast of the 2020 football season, and I will be joined today by John Maffey and Matt Black. And as always, I'm Marty Lindner. And we are fixing to jump right into the important, interesting aspects of the season. And I think everyone's going to talk about this. It's injuries. What do you guys think about that? My big question with injuries, especially as it relates to a dynasty setting, we've seen a ton of injuries this year. We see a ton of injuries every year in general. Um, So the question that I would like to pose is – how should we handle injuries in Dynasty? How should we be looking at capitalizing on trading for injured pieces, for dealing with injured pieces of our own without mortgaging our future? Um, how do we navigate those waters in a year, but especially this year with tons of big names going down all the time? Um My perspective on that would definitely be tainted by age of the player, severity of the injury um previous performance you know position they play you know if i if i have a quarterback that goes down with a knee injury i'm going to be less who's you know under 30 i'm probably not going to want to trade him as much as i'd want to get maybe unload a running back in the same situation or maybe a wide receiver you know or tight end yeah i i don't like overreacting to injury from my perspective on the dynasty aspect um since you are a dynasty, I, I don't like the idea of blowing your team's future up for a one season when it's hard to say you're going to win a title or be extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with – it takes, you know, skill and work to build a dynasty, but ultimately it takes more luck than anything else to win any given season. Yes. So I think that's kind of fair. I would tend towards playing the long game more in any circumstances that you can. Uh, I mean, trading for injured pieces that people are worried about is a great way to get an incredibly good team down the road for relatively cheap. There's a high gamble aspect to that, though. It is. There is a high gamble aspect to it because you also you'll also end up trading for, or or I guess accumulating the players that might be more injury prone and just getting players that never fully recover from their injury. Okay. So the idea is buying low there. Does it, but is selling low an aspect people want to get into? I mean, do you, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't like the idea from my, from the opposite perspective. I don't want to sell low on a guy just cause he's injured. I'd rather hold on to him and have him come back the next season and have a few, few games where I can sell high if his performance is better. I, I, that's what I would fall into, whether that's the right move or not. I guess it's debatable. If you can find somebody that'll pay you a reasonable price, which may not be possible. I mean, it, my I'm not a big trader in fantasy in general. I definitely don't like to trade my premier talent, and I don't necessarily want to overreact to an injury. 
So I, I'm probably not someone that would move and do too much with that, but I can see where I, I don't know that there's a specific strategy that's better in this situation. No, me either. Just because of the fact that it's, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. It may work out once and not work out on the other. You know, it just depends on how the guy comes back and depends on what the injury is. What I think should make your decision or heavily influence your decision. Obviously, every single situation is going to be very different from another, but how you make your decision should be heavily influenced by where your team is. And I think it's a good practice to do in general is to all the time, anytime you're considering any move, any trade, any pickup, any, anything, sit down and look at your team and try and be honest about what, where your team's at. Obviously the goal is to build a really good team and pick up championships. And I think an overlooked aspect of Dynasty can be not trying to time your assets together. So try and pick up your, like try and make it to where all of your players are having their quote unquote good season, their breakout year, their career year in a similar time frame to each other. And if it doesn't look like, like that's going to be happening and you suffer an injury or two that make it to where this year isn't going to be your year, I think you look more to offload. And if your team is starting to look really good, a lot of pieces are coming together that you really need to come together right now, it might be a good year to bring on some of the player, like trade to fill in your injured position or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. That's a little, to me, I always view Dynasty from a, such a long-term perspective, and that that's a little bit baseball-y. Like, I'm not in contention, so I'm going to trade my best players for some assets to, because, you know, they may be on their way out in the next mm-hmm. year or two, you know. Um, I get that, though. I, that's going to be hard to time getting everybody together on the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's a – I'd rather have a bunch of really good guys who are competitive year after year than – I mean, you've got a team that's got just good – you get good players on there and they just perform every week regardless of whether they're peaking. Mm-hmm. The peaking is nice. The peaking does help. But, but I mean like peaking in a broad term, like trying to get wide receivers that are in their 26, 27, 28-year-old seasons running that time frame together because they tend to be more productive. Running backs between like 23 and 26, same sort of deal. Just – I guess what I'm trying to say is pay attention – to where your team is at and don't try and don't try and compete when it's not a year to compete and don't try and sell everything when you might actually be able to string something together. That's an interesting, I've never thought about putting guys together by age like that. Never crossed my mind. Is that, is that, have you read that strategy before or is that one you've picked up yourself? Oh, that's one I've picked up myself. There's a lot of articles out there about, uh, performance as it relates to age. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. uh, you know, the idea of picking an age range um, is the same as the idea of trying to find players that are going to do well, right? Well, yeah, but if he's, I mean, it's interesting to think if he's building his team based on, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying it's interesting that he's trying to get guys, not just get guys in that age range, but maybe get his guys grouped together in age so they come into the same age range together. That's interesting. 
That's an interesting dynasty philosophy. Yeah, but it's a little confining. Yeah, it is. I mean, you you once you you, you may have three or four good years, but then you. But yeah, to to Matt's point, though, he he moves and trades a lot. So if he has guys on the way out, and he's drafting every season, but if he has guys on the way out of that age range, he trades them off for younger assets and re, re, relaunches. I mean, I think um, my addendum to that would be that you want some amount of churn on your roster. So you don't want all your players to be in that peak zone. You, you want players coming up that are prior to that peak zone. Absolutely, and, yeah. And so there's a balance between those players that you consider your prime players, the ones that are going to start every week, and the ones that you are developing or waiting for them to develop. Yeah, I agree with that. But to Matt's point, if he gets a bunch of receivers that are all between the ages of 24 and 26, then he knows they're all going to be coming into, over the next three years, their peak performance times, you know? If, if he's just grouping the receivers as an age, and then when they're out of that age, I mean, we all want to trade later, but... Yeah, but then what do you do with all your rookie picks? You, you don't pick any rookies because they're not 26 to 28? I mean, you might, or you trade your picks for more guys in the age range you're looking to come into to be dominant. I mean, if that's a philosophy, it's not... It's, an, it's a different philosophy. And then in the future, you trade again back into that demographic you're looking for. That's an interesting... Dynasty. I've always just thought about building the team, like John said, with churn, adding rookies, cycling guys in and out, and, and just having a constant influx of new talent. But I've never thought about just building it within a talent range. It, it has been a conscious like decision for me over the past couple of years is to try and build up a team that would be good all at the same time. And I mean, of course, more important than anything is just getting good players. Like at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters. But when we're talking about like known commodities that are understood to be within the range that they're in, like they've played two, three, four seasons, it can be a really good tool to look at, I think. I mean, we all try to target pre-peak guys. But to say I want to try to make sure everybody I get is in a certain age range and going to peak at the same time. I, I've never thought about trying to get everybody to peak at the same time. I just want to get good players on my team performing well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that gives you consistency. Yes. Uh, Matt's not describing consistency. He's trying to come up with a peak period where guys are all together. And as I said, do you crash at the end of that? I mean, if – 15 of your guys out of 24 are all peaking at the same time. And they all fall out of the peak. He probably trades them, you know. Yeah, he trades heavily. Yeah, that, that's the idea. Is then if you're looking at a team, that, that's really the crux of the idea, is then if you're looking at a team of 28-year-old wide receivers and 25, 26-year-old running backs – and it doesn't look like they're going to give you a title. If it looks like they're going to give you a title, hold on to them. You got to take your chances when you have them. But if it doesn't look like you're going to get, they're going to give you a title, then sell them all. Their value is as high as it's ever going to be. Sell them for a ton of picks. Sell them for a ton of up and coming players, and reset for your next window, which might be three to five years away. But reset for that, which might be three to five years away, but. If every three years you're a top three, like it, if you're going three-year gaps between being like a top three competing team and being a nobody, you're going to win a whole lot more championships than somebody whose team is middling every year. 
That's, that's I, I, I'm fascinated by that thought process. I've never th- approached it that way. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's fascinating. I've just never approached it that way. I think there's a lot of different strategies that you can use. Uh, I want to be competitive every year. I, I, I think I can win it every year uh, until the injuries hit. And then I start thinking, okay, yeah, what, what's my strategy for the remainder? So on that topic, then, John, you lost Saquon Barkley. What's your strategy for the remainder? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you saw my strategy, and you know my strategy. <laughs> I picked up uh, Mike Davis, uh, and we'll see it, how how long he can stay healthy. So, and to the other flip side of you getting Mike Davis, um, Matt, you have Christian McCaffrey, who's going to be out for a few weeks, and Mike Davis is his replacement. Uh, Boston Scott, but... Really, I'm looking at Miles Gaskin and Antonio Gibson to fill in my flex, but really, I'm just starting four wide receivers every week. So, well, okay, Matt, how do you feel about McCaffrey physically going forward? I mean, does he, is this the start? He hasn't had an injury history in his career, really. This is one of the first real times. Are you afraid this may be a precursor to more injuries? I try to stay away from attempting to predict injuries because it's pretty hard to do. Um, I'm worried that it will be a precursor of a worse year for him because high, high ankle sprains are, uh, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they tend to affect a player's play later into the year, even after they're playing again, and especially a running back. I mean, we saw it with Saquon last year. Um, so I'm, I don't think he's going to be fantastic this, or, I wouldn't bet on him being fantastic this year anymore, even when he comes back week eight-ish. Um, so, yeah, I'm still holding him unless somebody sends me a house, of course. It's Christian McCaffrey. So he's he's only on IR, IR for three weeks. Do you think that's going to take longer than that probably? or? Uh, I mean, most Hyalco sprains are five to six weeks. So that's the also the timetable I heard from his trainers. So. Let's uh, take a moment to point out that Matt is an expert in kinesiology, <laughs> right? He has kinesiology training. He has a degree in it. Mm-hmm. He has a, a degree in kinesiology. So of all the members on this podcast, he's the one that knows how injuries affect players the most, right? Sure. <laughs> I have a theory about why injuries happen. I've, I've even it's got it's to the point where I almost suspect it sounds like a conspiracy theory now. But um, I think that trainers have become so good that they've got the physical, uh, they've enhanced the athletic ability and the strength and the muscle size and stuff too much for the joints that they can't train the joints and tendons and cartilage to deal with the amount of physical strength, muscle size that can put on the human body comfortably now. Matt, am I crazy? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, and to my theory, I see too many guys do simple cuts on the field where their knee just collapses underneath them. And it's because of the, you know, the torque they're being put under. And I'm saying is that I think there's guys that probably are comfortably healthy paying, weighing 215 that are weighing 245. You know, that they, 
do a level of bodybuilding included in the weight training that tends to add a lot of volume to their size and weight. And it just puts a lot of stress on their joints faster than their joints can develop with the muscles. Are there more injuries nowadays than there were, say, 10, 15 years ago? Uh, it depends on how you look at the injuries. I know, I know at least recently I'd seen data that indicates that injuries have increased in the NFL in the, la- in the last decade. Yeah, the, the overall number is definitively higher, though also what is being tracked and counted as an injury is kind of different. Um, and in the past, what might not have been considered an injury is now considered an injury. Um, so it's a little bit of a complicated stat to look into because also, like, we're seeing less ACL tears years, year over year in every regard. We're seeing less, um, like, no. Uh, like well i i don't know about this year it's not over but as recently as last year like the number of acls tears still going down um and yet we had seven in week two yeah and is that just seven league wide or seven of the skill position because i mean the the niners had four i think it's seven league wide yeah i mean barclays was i mean when i saw saquon barclays i was they call that a contact injury but i i he wasn't, you know, no one hit him below the waist. It wasn't like he got hit and his knee got put under. He wasn't, it didn't bind up underneath him. The guy just tackled him high and he planted and then the knee gave out when he got hit. Well, I mean, so from the, from a dynasty perspective, we have some different philosophies on that and then just general. So let's, let's go through quickly each of our dynasty perspectives. So for mine on top players, I'm holding him. There's no doubt. I'm not going to get anybody to pay what I think they're worth. I'm just going to have to suck it up. Matt and uh, Marty. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I think I'd be holding the, you have Saquon Barkley. I would, I'm not cutting or trading Saquon Barkley. I, I let him, see, let him come back next year and I'll see what I got. And if I'm uncomfortable with any aspect of it, then maybe I look at trading him after a performance or two. that's good or something, get maximum value. And Matt. Uh, for me, it depends on where my team's at. Um, in general, I'm not selling any top traded pieces uh, unless I'm looking to contend and can get back like, I don't know, 75%-ish, 80%-ish of their healthy value. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do, yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, you know. He tears an ACL, you could probably get that, right? It just depends. Because you never know who's going to really, like, love a player and be able to over overpay. Well, I think you have a few figured out. <laughs> hey, there's, there's, always a, there's always a mark in, in the league, right? <laughs> it's always a guy you can approach and say, you want this guy? And then they'll overpay. And then you can feel good about that. All right, well, moving on to our next topic of discussion or of the week. Um, I think we want to discuss um, young players who are in a make or break season for them. Young players who need to have a high level performance so that the team that they're on doesn't move on from them. Um, I, I think we would like to start with QBs and just kind of make a list and maybe have a quick, if we want just a quick yay or nay discussion about what we think about these guys. Let's start with uh, QBs. So we'll start with Sam Darnold. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, what, 
what question are we answering here? Make or break players, young players who are saying whether or not they are make or break. No, whether they're in a make or break season. Do you think that they're in a season where they have to, to do it or they're, you know, the team may move on from them or probably will. So I'm um, Sam Darnold. I would say yes, but I am, am slow to pass judgment on anybody who is working with Adam Gase because I also would have said that Tina Hill is already broken. Yeah, but unfortunately, Adam Gase could – Darnold could go down with his ship with Adam Gase. That's true. Yes. But he also could not. <laughs> Adam Gase is an offensive genius. If Sam Darnold can't perform under him, who can? It's more likely he goes down with a ship. I, I agree with you on that one. I, I, I don't think – I think there's a lot of people in love with Darnold's um, physical attributes and his how he looks as a quarterback more than his performance historically. And I think that if he has another – I don't think – we're in his third year now or second? Third. Third year. Yeah, I think he's, 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 he's due to have a good – if he doesn't have a good, really solid year, top 15, top 10 QB year, I think they may look at moving on from him. Or at least draft somebody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At least draft somebody to bring in competition or something. They're definitely going to look at that, which brings us to our next guy, speaking of like bringing in someone. But this guy's is probably in his second make or break year, which is Mitch Trubisky. Yep. Which is an interesting – I think we all agree that he's in a make or break year, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But he's getting a second make or break year. He had one last year. They brought in Foles, but it looks like he's going to get another opportunity to prove it. And he looks so far like he is. Mm, maybe so maybe yeah he's shaky all right well the next obvious one up is a baker mayfield does everybody think he's in a make or break season for his career no i think the browns will give him another chance no matter what i'm gonna go with matt on this one i i don't think this is make or break for him you don't think so if he if he has a poor season or a season that reflects like looks like last year if it's even slightly better than last year it's fine I think the Browns will ride that out. Browns historically, have, they're always looking for a QB, but I feel like they jump ship rather early. Yeah, but Baker is, he's got a quite, quite a bit more notoriety. Popular. Yeah. They put, I mean, he's number one pick overall. Um, I could see, I guess, I guess I don't, I guess my thought on Mayfield is probably not a make or break season, but it's one of those, if he doesn't perform as well as they'd like, there's going to definitely add a little black mark to his ledger that might affect them going forward. There'll be a lot of talk. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Which will make you next year, the real pressure season for him. So Gardner Minshew, I think he is obviously in a make or break season for him. Yeah. And it looks like he's making it. Yeah. So far (laughs) he looks very nice. You know, I'm not sure you can call it make or break for him. um, Since, He's got such low draft capital, and they decided to go with him. Uh, how bad does he have to be, you know? I, I think he has to be bad enough that they could draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I think if, if they are bad enough, they end up as one of the top five or ten picks. And, and If they get the top pick and they get Lawrence or another top two, top three quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely torpedo him. Yeah. 
Um, that that would they would have to play pretty bad to get that point. But if Minshew plays great and they still have that pick, they may not move away. I the only reason he's a I think it's a make or break season for him is because of the fact that there's less draft capital. They're less invested in him, so he has to really perform to have them want to continue with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll I'll switch to make or break. Okay. Dwayne Haskins. I don't think so. You don't think so? Mm-mm. I tend to agree with that. I think this is probably really could be looked at as his first season that he, he hasn't, he didn't get to play much last year. And I don't think there's enough, enough film on him for them to make a big decision. They got to have this year and probably next year, especially with a new coach. Yeah. Matt, what do you think? Uh, I actually kind of think it's a make or break year for him. If he comes out and looks really, really bad, and Washington figures to have a high draft pick, I think the odds of them moving on from pretty is pretty high, especially when you consider that the team, like the the new coaching staff, brought in QBs behind him. Yeah, they brought in the guy from the jo- uh, Allen, um, yeah, back from Carolina. So Kyle Allen, yeah, it's not not much competition. Um, I, I I agree that if he's really really bad, yes, but I think if he's serviceable, yeah, I I would agree with that. I think it's a make or break season, but for him to break, he's got to be pretty rough about it. I mean, that team's yeah. going to have to really. They have a good defense. They're going to really have to fall apart to get a top five. I mean, it's possible they're one and one right now, but they did beat the Eagles, who so look like they're really trying to be bad. Um. Oh, okay. On the to add a quarterback to this list, which is an odd one to add. Um. Are you trying to talk about Carson Wentz? Yes, thank you. See, I can see his face. I couldn't come up with his name. Carson Wentz, is he potentially in a make-or-break season? For fantasy, yes. For his team, I don't think so. I think the Eagles are going to stick with him either way. Um, but if he has another bad season, I'm done with him from a fantasy perspective. I mean, this is this is his second, what, bad season in a row? Uh, it's starting to look like it, yeah. Yeah. But they gave him a huge contract. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's definitely not performing up for that contract at the moment. And he's he's not he's not young. He's been in the league five years. I mean, the, you'd have to look at his contract and his salary, you know, see to see what cutting him would be or trading him. You could trade him and move. You know, if they have a really bad year and they can have a top pick and they could trade him. And they did bring in um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts putting any pressure on him? Uh, I don't know that Hurts is putting pressure on him. I mean, I think Carson Wentz is putting pressure on himself just from playing so poorly. Could be, yeah. There's definitely the injury aspect of that. I mean, Wentz has gotten a pretty – he gets injured relatively frequently, so that's a that's an issue. And now his performance is dropping off, which is another issue. So we're, we're on. So on Wentz, Matt thinks he got another year. I'm kind of fifty-fifty. I don't really have a strong commitment. I do think this year could be if his performance is really bad. They could start. They definitely could start thinking about it and maybe shade towards doing it, depending on where they're at. It'd have to be really bad, and I think what would happen is he'd be so bad they'd put in Hurts. Yeah. And then if Hurts lights it up, then yeah. I'm I'm kind of at where you're on that one. It's, it's it's he if he's really bad, hurts comes in and performs well, then they're gonna. It's definitely gonna pop into their brain. 
All right, moving on. Let's run through the running backs. Um, running backs are kind of an interesting one just because I don't know that they particularly have what you call make or break seasons anymore since their draft capital is so low. I say so low, but they definitely don't get drafted in the first round as much anymore. It, in a way, um, every season is a make it or break it year for a running back because they could always be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think there are a few guys that maybe I don't know, Ronald Jones, I'm not sure what we think about a make or break season with him. He has two seasons of non-performance, but he has jumped into the starting role in Tampa. So what do you guys think? Think he's, I mean, he obviously probably has, to, he's in one. He's probably got a shot to uh, keep it. He seems to be performing fairly good at this point. I think it's make or break for him. Yeah. I think he's definitely make it make or break. And I think he loses the job to Fournette by the end of the year. Ah, speaking of, we got Leonard Fournette on there. It's kind of a make or break season for him, right? I mean, if he, he has to come in and perform at a new team after he's been dismissed by his old one. Is that crazy thinking? No. No. <laughs> what aspect are, are you asking about? That Fournette is equally under pressure as Jones to have a good season or at least get on the field and perform, uh, you know. I think any time you get let go by another team, yeah, you're under pressure. Why do you uh, – I, I have a theory about why he got let go. What do you guys think he got let go for? Uh, bad attitude. Yeah. it's kind of where I'm at. Matt, do you have an opinion? That's maybe what I would have said, but this is now, I think, the sixth high-profile Jaguar to be let go because of bad attitude. And what that tells me is it's probably not the individual players. It's probably the, the coach-slash-coaching staff doesn't have a good hold on the locker room, doesn't have a good culture within their organization. Um. I might lean towards thinking that more just because it's been so many of these high, like high caliber players that Jacksonville has let go because of character issues. It's either the worst luck in the world or it's a failure of their culture. Is, and it, their coaching is staff. it character issues or just the fact that, I mean, I know Fournette was over, a, he was very opinionated about who his quarterback needed to be this year. And that's disruptive to a locker room. And they let go of, Cornerback that's at the Rams now, um, Jalen Ramsey, and you know he same thing. Very outspoken, which could be a distraction and disruption in the locker room. Are they just letting go of guys that are, are that like they drafted a bunch of guys previously that are now? Did they allow the culture to get where the players? Uh, you know, I hate to say players have too big a voice, but I mean you can create a distraction in the locker room that affects your team. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that he spoke out against his locker room after he left says it all. Yeah. It, it seems like the, seems like the Jaguars are moving forward and playing pretty well without him. So it doesn't seem like it's affected the team dynamic at all. I mean, that that's, I kind of wonder about guys becoming cancers in the locker room that way. I mean, we've always heard it. We don't hear it discussed as much anymore, but I do think it happens. It just doesn't get brought up or discussed generally, but yeah. I think that happens. Um, okay, let's run Austin Eckler. Obviously, I think we've discussed running backs are always in a make-or-break season. And he's got a new draft pick behind him, Joshua Kelly, who's playing pretty good. Josiah Kelly. No, Joshua Kelly. Joshua. Yeah. I'm going to go with not make-or-break. Hmm. I, I think he will have his role no matter what. Like, I think he's shown enough that he is not going to get completely shunted from 
his team, he will be used in a third down role, if nothing else. Yeah. You don't think they'd move on from him or anything? Say, okay, you're in your fourth year. You cost more. Goodbye. I, I think it's it's pretty unlikely. Well, he was an undrafted free agent, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 So, And they have like three years. I think he's in his third season, He's too, one of those so. success stories. He's, as Matt said, already proven himself. Uh, whether he can re- be a bell cow, uh, I, I'm not sure he can be. So it's maybe hard to put him in that make or break category because like Matt said, he's going to be around. Mm-hmm. And you think the team, well, the team needs to reinvest him after the season. I think it's no, his third season. It, it, it is his, um, he was an undrafted free agent. Their rookie contracts are a year shorter. He just signed a four year deal this year. Oh, okay. All right. So he will be around. So yeah, but he's, we don't have to worry about him. David Montgomery. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. David Montgomery, I think he was in that weird spot for a rookie running back where he showed some good, but not enough where he was lighting it up like you might want from a high pick um, to where he could very easily replace. He could very easily end up being the guy for another two years. Neither situation would surprise me. And then they had the weird thing with um, Howard there where he was on his way out. But still, yeah, it's weird. Uh, They let go of Howard, who was still young, um, who went to Miami. All right, let's just run through the uh, wide receivers real quick and throw in any you can think of that are in this kind of same predicament so you can watch their performance. Yep. Corey Davis? Yes. Yay? Yes. yes. Andy Isabella? Um, mm-hmm. No. You say no, Matt? Yes for fantasy, no for real life. Yeah, are, are, um, are we going fantasy or real life here? I'm not sure. Well, we're in, fi- we're in fantasy dynasty, so it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Since, our, we're, since we are doing Dynasty... Well, let's ask the expert, uh, Marty, since you have Andy Isabella, uh, from okay. a fantasy point of view. But I think we all agree from an NFL point of view, it's not. Right? Okay, right. I agree with that. I think I'm in this weird position with him in fantasy where I don't know... He's not getting any time on the field. He performs when he's on the field. I don't know if they're just waiting for Larry Fitzgerald to leave and he steps into the next role. They keep drafting wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I I just don't know what to do with him. Part of me wants to cut him. Part of me can't bring myself to. It's, it, it's yeah. If he doesn't show anything by the midseason point, I'm not rostering him anymore, personally. Okay, but... He, Here's my question. You, you've already let go of uh, Arcega Whiteside, who was a first-round pick for you. And, I, and then I have Isabel in the same draft. But I haven't let go of him. Um, he, he, when he gets on the field and they throw him balls, he catches them, but they don't get him on the field to throw balls to. Okay. That's, then that that's the problem. I mean, what is that? I don't know what that relevant. means. Yeah. I, I guess. But what if he gets traded and shows up somewhere else. I mean, part oh, of the problem with him is... probably pick him back up on free agency before anybody else is going to yeah, notice. Yeah, until Matt picks him up ahead of me because <laughs> he fits in his age demographic and you wanted him. <laughs> um, I want to throw Christian Kirk in there as, as long as we're talking about the Cardinals. I think he's kind of in the same situation. He gets a little more time on the field, though. He's definitely um, gets more. But Kirk affects Bell- Isabella? I think Kirk has made it. I think I I think he could perform any number of ways this year, and he's still going to be fine. He did good enough last year to show me enough that 
Like unless he just starts dropping every football, he's he's good to go. Do you, do you trust? Okay, I'm same situation I have with Isabella. Do you trust that they're just not going to draft more wide receivers at uh, Arizona? No, because they. But that's only because Arizona has surprised me with every single like move that they've made since that, bringing in Isabella, the Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, look young, and then they trade David Johnson away for um, Hopkins. Well, that, that wouldn't surprise me because that's just like the best value you could possibly get. Um, but what does surprise me is even before they traded for Hopkins, all of the chatter around the Arizona camp is that they were going to take a receiver with their first pick. So it was obviously a priority for them to get as many weapons for Kyler Murray as possible. Now, they're playing great this year, and they're 2-0 and at this point. But my question to this is, is that great value? Because they had to pay through the nose for him in the next two seasons. Now, Grant's a short contract and stuff, but they did put a lot of their salary cap into Hopkins in their contract they signed him for. Yes. Which is why they said they let him go at Houston. I think a second-round pick for a top three wide receiver is – a second-round pick and an old running back for a top three receiver is fine. From that way, but you have to – but you have to add the money in there. You second round pick or old running back, fine. That's a great trade. Then you got to throw in the fact that they're paying them what thirty million a year. Yeah, but they have the money. Like they're not in, okay. in cap trouble. I mean, if they have the money, I mean, if they're I just that's not a bad trade then. I mean, but that that is steep. I, I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is trying to make sure he has a job next year. <laughs> uh, I think he's got a job. I think they're enamored with him. I think he's. Uh, you know what? What I'm saying is that. Um, yeah, he he's there for the duration of Kyler Murray. Maybe, but let, let me just put it this way. Cliff Kingsbury wanted to make sure that he had as many weapons around Murray as possible. And if they had to pay a little extra to get DeAndre Hopkins in there, uh, you know, yes, I'm I'm going to go for it. Even if we've got all these other receivers, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, uh, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, um, we're going to add DeAndre Hopkins because this is going to make sure that we're going to have a good season. I agree with you. Did now does does, does um, Cliff Kingsbury have that control, or is it the GM, or does Kingsbury agree to it? I think Kingsbury agrees to it. I don't know, but I think Kingsbury probably has some influence over the GM. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they definitely get guys they feel comfortable with and they talk to. So I'm sure he had input on that, yeah. I mean, when they brought him in, you know, he basically, I'm sure, said, okay, we're picking Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, he definitely was the one that pushed for Kyler Murray. I mean, which over Josh Rosen, who wouldn't at this point. But, yeah, he, he recruited him that's why I said he's – huh? He recruited Kyler Murray out of high school. Yeah, that's why I think they're married to each other. As long as, Chris, as, long as Kyler Murray's there – Cliff Kingsbury is going to be there. Yeah, and I just think DeAndre Hopkins is just a way to make sure that Kyler Murray is going to be successful. It may be overkill. Like, they may not have needed him, but I think uh, Kingsbury was trying to make sure that he was successful. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I'm just saying that that is steep. You you know, could you have signed two other guys or traded yeah, for course. two different receivers that are, yeah. Well, though, is, is two different receivers going to give you the same value as a DeAndre Hopkins, though? No, uh, maybe not the top tier value, but you get, I mean, you've got, if you think Christian Kirk can play and you got Andy Isabella who has a home run ability and depending on how you use guys, I mean, Hopkins is definitely above that. Yeah. But um, I, it's just, there. I mean, there are ways to spend your money to make your team better. If, 
the only thing you think about is offense. The only thing you think about certain things, you know, there's, there's definitely, it's, it's like drafting in our league. There's always different ways to build a team, but they, you know, that's a lot of capital to spend on one guy, an older wide receiver. Yeah, it is. All right. Let's, let's run through some more of these wide receivers. John Ross, Cincinnati. John Ross. I believe he's already, you know, broken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you said uh, top talent, you know, premier talent. He's, he was drafted high and he's got the wheels. And he, he's on his third fantasy football team. I've had him and let him go. He's, he was the ninth pick overall. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, from a fantasy perspective, he's definitely what you might refer to as a bust. You mean that high a pick in the league? I'm sure he got drafted high in our league and he's just never reached that peak level of performance. Yeah. So, uh, NFL, NFL, not a bust, fantasy yeah, bust. Yeah. At this point, probably mm, a NFL may be a bust too, actually. He's heading that way. Yeah. So, make or break for him, I would say yes. Nikhil Harry. Mm. Oh, ooh. It's a weird one. It's an awkward one. I'm going to say no. He didn't play much last year. This is really kind of like – it's kind of like Dwayne Haskins. This is kind of his first season. And, and they're obviously running the football a lot. So, if he's just a functional wide receiver that in – that the Patriots works hard, I think that that works for him. I'm going to say yes, it is a make or break for here, just because for him, just because Belichick does not have a lot of patience. If people are not performing, Belichick will churn through. I, I don't think he churns through his draft picks quite that. I think they have to get on his bad side. They have to show that they're not hardworking or something. I think there's another element to that that we're not privy to. Just my theory about Belichick. I think that he would he'll get rid of guys that perform great. If there there's other issues with them, he doesn't like what's going on with the team. I think we go back to if he's really, really bad. Yeah, he would. Have, I mean, it, it, yes, if he's really, really bad, but I think that's about anybody. I mean, I, but I think, I mean, if he's, I, I kind of wonder about the make or break question of, you know, functional, if the guy has 400 yards and, and uh, one touchdown, I think that, that, that borderline is where that's at. But if the guy has, you know, 650 and, five touchdowns and it's kind of his first year. I think that's more than fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't really define what break was. We could say uh, break as we were talking about in a fantasy perspective of, I don't want to have him on my roster and break in the NFL perspective as he gets cut from the team. I, I, I'm kind of looking at it. I guess my perspective is from the NFL perspective because I think that dictates in dynasty like a trajectory for a player. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cortland Sutton. I thought he was make or break. Of course, he tore his ACL. Yeah, um, Anthony Miller. Uh, ooh, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on Anthony Miller in that perspective. Yeah, it's make or break for him for sure. Yeah. I think it is. But unfortunately, he's tied to Trubisky. Yeah. And hmm, I'm not sure how much Chicago cares that much about. Not they don't care about wide receiver performance, but. I'm going okay. make or break with him. Uh, James Washington. Yes, absolutely. Especially with them still bringing in receiver talent. 
excellent. I actually would throw Juju Smith-Schuster into this group of make or break. I think if he has a bad year, they move on from him. The contract reform too. He hasn't performed outside of the year he was with, the year he was with Antonio Brown. So yeah, that's definitely he's definitely on this list. So we're all agreed on James Washington. <laughs> um, yeah, because I also have Deontay Johnson on this list. Uh, yeah, he obviously. Is, I mean, yeah, I, I already think Deontay Johnson's on the back foot since they drafted Chase Claypool. I know everybody's in love with them. Chase Claypool had that great touchdown. Deontay Johnson has like twice the target share of the next closest pass catcher in Steelers right now or in Pittsburgh right now this season or last season this season really yeah surprising I I I'm they really like him there I think they're trying to hit a home run with another Antonio Brown but I don't think he's another Antonio Brown I don't know like he has a, a target percentage that I think is like top 10 in the league he's had a decent start to his season he's got 23 targets Slight injury this week. Um, he's he's not bad. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I, I just think he might – I don't know. It's my opinion from looking at him. I think he's a little – I don't know that he's in a make or break here, but he might be. Um, he's already starting off to play well, so this is probably – he's probably fine. All right. Raquan Smith. Yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't do something, he's gone. Yeah, I agree with that. He's definitely in a make or break year for his career. Josh Reynolds. Ooh, yeah. Rams, third receiver that Van Jefferson's already supplanting. Yes, yes. Yes, I fantasy-wise, it's a make it or break it. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I can call it make it or break it because he's never really done enough. Yeah. But does he make enough to – I mean, he's been the third wide receiver. It already looks like he's being supplanted there. But is it, will they move on from him as a team, and then is he worth keeping in, our, in Dynasty? Uh, if – I mean, as soon as someone gets cut, like, just gets cut for not being good enough to be on a team, I stop caring about them completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. So, people get cut for all sorts of reasons, though. Yeah. If it's, like, a weird reason that they got cut, that's different. But if it's just they got cut because they got outplayed by that many people, then I don't care about them. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. I Yeah, you're right. Uh, All right, tight ends. Mike Jacecki. Everybody agree he's kind of been a make or break year for him? No, just because tight ends have such a long incubation period. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go no as well. Okay. I agree with that. He had a high draft capital, but didn't go with that. No fan? Well, no. No. But if it is, I think he's going to be great. Yeah, he's already made it. He came in with bad hands, and he's evidently worked on his – his hands and catching. He has greatly improved his receiving ability. Um, okay, here's the big one. Uh, David Njoku, is, is he in a make-or-break season? He is with the Browns. Yes. Yes, he is. Yes, I believe so. I, I, we have an even bigger one, probably. Evan Ingram. No, I think Evan Ingram has shown enough and consistently enough that he's going to stay on that organization and he's going to stay fantasy relevant. Like, maybe not as the f- top five option you thought he would be when – you drafted him or when you traded for him, but I think he will remain fantasy relevant as like a plug and play tight end at the very lowest, more likely than not for the remainder of his career. He's really not doing much this year. That's true. Yeah. I I mean, right now is his time to shine. He is still relatively young, but I, I kind of think he might be, I don't know about, 
for his entire career, but I definitely think he's probably in that season with the, with the giants this year. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. He was the 23rd pick overall. I mean, you've got to, and he's never really stepped into that next level. They say they believe in him, but when you hear the coach say, I really believe in him. That's usually like big warning sign, you know, just yeah. Scary. So any other tight ends anyone has on their mind? Any other? You've got Johnny Smith on the list. Ah, Johnny Smith. Yeah, I think I, – I'll put this way. I say make or break. This is his season to shine um, and be the guy there without Delaney Walker, which he kind of was last year. So, I, I, I think – Yeah, and it looks like he's doing that already. I think he'll be fine. I think he's, I think he's got a lot of talent. I think they really drafted well with him. Picked up a nice player. Um, okay. One player we skipped that I have an opinion on that I'm not sure anybody agrees with me. Saquon Barkley, he's injured. I know we weren't going to necessarily discuss if it's a make or break year, but do you think the injury impacts him going forward as a running back? Yeah, of course it impacts him, of course. Yeah. Do you think it affects the Giants' perspective on him in the future? Mm, probably not. Matt, what do you think? Uh, I don't think the injury matters. I think if he would have played poorly, sure, but – I don't I don't think he's played poorly. I think he's put up poor numbers. But when I watch his tape, he still looks like a a top running back even when he's getting, you know, 15 carries for 3 yards. I I I watched that first game against the Steelers and part of this could be the Steelers defense. I thought he looked a little slower than he used to. He looked just a little less dynamic this year. Maybe so. I'm not sure that I saw that, but I, I saw the whole game, and to me, it was just the Steeler defense was just overwhelming. They were they were in the backfield every play. Yeah, they just went right through that line that they revamped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, speaking from someone who actually owns Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, um, obviously, I'm worried. Uh, people aren't always the same after yeah. ACLs. Uh, I was worried about Allen Robinson when he got yeah. his ACL. Um, but he's come back and, um, you know, is he as good as he could have been? I don't, you know, we'll right. never know. Saquon Barkley is an incredible athlete. Let's hope that he can, and he's young. So let's hope that he can get back to the form that he was in. Yeah. I, I, I think he should be fine, but I could see the giants moving on from him after next year, maybe. I think the in the last the injuries this year, Mike, just age of a running back. How much contract? How much do you want to pay them? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that, maybe. That, all that means is he ends up somewhere else where somebody might want to pay him more. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I could just potentially see him not getting that second that big contract. Um, but well, I think that's about it. Does anybody have anything they're looking or thinking about going forward for the next few weeks in the fantasy season? Um, injuries. injuries, more injuries. <laughs> yeah, injuries, injuries, and more injuries. How many more injuries will my teams get? How many more injuries? Yes, um, we didn't talk about COVID, uh, which I think is is worth talking about. It's been interesting watching the games. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I did, and I found it very peculiar that uh, the crowd noise that's getting piped in over the broadcast had the crowd booing uh, at the Eagles. Yeah. Okay, is the crowd noise being piped in there from the home? Is it in the stadium, or is it just on TV? No, 
It's not in the stadium. It's oh, just wow. on TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they know the Eagles fans. <laughs> I mean, at least someone from the broadcasting they, got a real stuff at the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a real Eagles fan on that button who figures out what the noise. She's like, be. "Man, I boo here in a heartbeat." <laughs> they just they yeah. do. They bring in an Eagles fan, just let him run the thing. Like, here it is. Here's <laughs> here's your like twenty buttons, and here's the list of what they are. And these guys just hitting the boo button, or and it's not like they like vetted this fan either. They just got some random guy off the the streets of Philadelphia. Well, that's what Philly fans are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't vet Philly. I mean, you've seen the guys in the Philly crowd. No one vets this thing. This is Philadelphia. This isn't. This isn't like Jerry World, where everybody's wearing you know in suites and paying forty thousand dollars for a seat license. This is Philly, man. It's rough. Yeah. And I think that watching the game when I'm watching the players and watching the game, it, there hasn't been any difference, but when they scan to the crowd or the lack of the crowd, then you go, Oh wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm. And then in some of the stadiums, they've let a few people in and you see the one guy eating his nachos in a chair by himself. <laughs> you know, said it looks depressing. It looks like the guy who's up in the stadium after the blowouts happening, he's by himself eating nachos, just sadly watching his home team get smoked. Except that it's like yes. a 10, 13 game. So, and <laughs> so, so far the NFL has done really well in COVID testing and uh, controlling the spread of the virus. Will that continue? Uh, will players become more lax once their teams maybe are out of contention? Do you think that uh, we'll see the same level of containment throughout the season? Uh, will we see an entire season? I think these are all great questions. Yes, yes, and yes. I think we're fine. I think we'll see a whole season. I think they've got the players on board and the players are participating and they're not making any stupid decisions so far. I think we'll see a whole season. uh, And it's looking more and more like COVID isn't going to have a huge effect on the season. But I think the odds that nothing ends up getting affected, like no single game or any player throughout the year, I think the odds of that are fairly low. I think we'll see something, but maybe not as big as we were wearing. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe a game that doesn't get played. Missing some some starters a couple weeks for a couple mm-hmm. teams. Uh, injuries having more of an impact than COVID. For, well, okay. yeah, for sure at this point. At this point. I think maybe for the whole season, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. Matt? You agree? Uh, that's looking more and more likely, yeah. But there's yeah. always injuries. From our two-week sample size, I, I see yeah. this. I mean, I'm just saying more of an impact than COVID. Right now, we haven't seen COVID have any impact, and injuries are obviously just already starting to seemingly pile up early in the season. And, and season-ending injuries, you know. I mean, there's a lot of guys going down, down for the season early on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I just hope we don't have any more. I, I have a feeling the way it's going, I, I just have a feeling everyone's going to get affected by injuries. I mean, we always are, but I just have a feeling it's going to be a little more demonstrative this year than previously. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, all right, guys. I think that we had a great podcast week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch up with you as soon as possible. It's Dynasty, yes. I think we all are how it affects us. 
the first one of you that says it's not, I'm gonna call BS on. <laughs> Could be, yeah. You, I, I gotta say, you sounded a little anemic on your intro. Well, that's fine. I gotta introduce myself somehow. Jeez. Uh, maybe. I don't know. We we kind of all sound a little low energy right now. Don't get old, guys. It's just really rough to get old. Um, I can see his face, and I can't come up with his name. Uh, I don't remember. I'm a little off. I'm. I'm. It, we haven't done this in a while, so I'm. I'm feeling a little. It's it, look. It's five thirty on a Thursday, and we got a Jags Dolphins game. I don't know what else to. <laughs> yeah. 